Last week, um, a group of my college students went on something of an impromptu pilgrimage down to Greenville, South Carolina after classes on Friday because major relics of St. Jude the Apostle were being um, put on display for veneration there at the parish of Our Lady of the Rosary. St. Jude's relics are currently making kind of a special tour of the U.S., and that was the closest that they would be coming to us. So after classes on Friday, a bunch of them got in their cars and they drove two hours down to Greenville, had mass, were able to venerate the relics, and then drive, drive back home. And they had an amazing experience doing that. Um, and one of my students uh, took a friend with her who is, is not a practicing Christian, and that was also a different experience for him, as you could imagine. And they shared with me that on the car ride back home that he was full of questions about the church and about what we believe about Christ and just all the details about that. And what my students told me is that they found themselves in answering you know, his questions to the best of their ability, saying things like, well, to understand this thing about Jesus, you, you first really have to understand this other thing about Moses. Or to really understand this about Jesus, you've, you've got to know this about, about Abraham. And they were constantly referring to these Old Testament figures and events in order to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, I was so proud of them when they shared that experience with me because first, they're evangelizing. That's one way of doing that. That's what it looks like. Sharing your faith, talking about your faith, in response to curious questions. And I hope everyone here is ready to do that. If you have someone asking you about something that, that you believe, about an aspect of our faith, that you're able to share with them about that. But I was also just happy to hear them relating that experience because that told me that they understood the story. They understand that this is how the gospel works. The gospel is not an isolated event in history that kind of stands alone apart from everything else. It's an integrated part of a larger story that God has been writing from the first moment of creation. And we all have a part to play in that story. Jesus himself did this. After the resurrection, on the road to Emmaus, he explained to the disciples from the Old Testament scriptures how it was that the Messiah had to suffer and die and then rise from the dead. And the early church did this. We read in the Acts of the Apostles about the deacon, Philip, explaining to the Ethiopian eunuch about the gospel of Jesus Christ, starting from the prophecies of Isaiah. I believe it was St. Jerome who said once that the New Testament is hidden in the Old and the Old is revealed in the New. And so there's a continuity between the two of them so that you can't fully understand the meaning of one without the other. A very good example of this is the Last Supper. There's no way you could understand what Jesus is doing at the Last Supper unless you have knowledge of the Passover. The Last Supper that Jesus celebrated with the apostles on the night that he was arrested was a ritual Passover 
meal. It had important religious, cultural, and historical context. And since that Last Supper was also where Jesus instituted the Eucharist, that means you can't really understand the Eucharist. You can't understand what we do at Mass here unless you have an understanding of the Passover. Because the Eucharist is the Passover meal of the new and eternal covenant. So the Passover that we read about in Exodus, that's still relevant to us. That's why as we prepare for Easter during this season of Lent, the church recounts for us every year the story of Exodus. If any of you pray the office of readings from the Liturgy of the Hours, you'll know that from the very first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday, we start reading from Exodus. At Holy Thursday Mass that we'll celebrate a few weeks from now, the account of the institution of the Passover is first read from Exodus and then the account of the institution of the Eucharist from the Gospels. You need to know one to understand the other. And I bring this up today because when we read in the Gospel about the apostles seeing Jesus transfigured on the mountaintop with Moses and Elijah, we need to understand what that meant for them. Who is Moses? Moses is the liberator of the people from Egypt. Moses is the one through whom God gave his law to Israel. So Moses represents the law. And Elijah, the great prophet of God, represents the prophets. And so by standing together with them, Jesus is positioning himself in continuity with them as their successor and the fulfillment of everything that they prefigured. Everything in both the law and the prophets, which is to say the entire Hebrew scriptures is pointing to Jesus, who is proclaimed in this moment by the Father himself to be his beloved son. So when the apostles saw Jesus standing together with Moses and Elijah, they understood the significance of that because they knew who Moses and Elijah were and what they represented. But of course, that doesn't mean the apostles knew everything there was to know about the gospel at this time. Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. And our gospel tells us they questioned what rising from the dead meant. They didn't know yet that the Messiah had to suffer and die and rise from the dead. They didn't know that, but they would. They would later come to understand what St. Paul describes in his letter to the Romans when he says that God did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. This idea of God not sparing his own son calls to mind another event in salvation history when a father did not spare his own son. The sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac that we read about today. Isaac has been seen as a prefigurement of Christ in the way that he willingly carries the wood for his own sacrifice up to the top of the mountain, just as Christ carries the wood of the cross to Calvary. Isaac, like Jesus, is obedient to his father. 
even to the point of death. Isaac willingly takes the heavy weight of the wood upon his shoulders as he and Abraham ascend Mount Moriah. And Isaac knew what was happening. He saw the knife. He saw the fire. He knew very well what the wood was for. And so he asks his father, here are the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb. And indeed he did, as we read in our first reading today. There's an interesting fact about Moriah. You can look at any map and you won't find Moriah listed on it. And that's because historians are not entirely sure where Moriah is. But there's a tradition. There's an old tradition in Israel that Moriah is another name for Zion. And that means there's a very good chance that it was on that same mountain many centuries later where Jesus gathered his apostles to celebrate the Last Supper in the upper room. It was, as we've said, a Passover meal. And one of the things that we know, because we've read Exodus, is that the Passover meal required certain things, such as unleavened bread, bitter herbs. But above all, it required a lamb. And this lamb had not only to be sacrificed, it had to be consumed for the sacrifice to be consummated. You can't celebrate Passover without a lamb. So imagine that you're at that Passover meal with Jesus in the upper room. Imagine that you're St. Peter or St. Andrew or St. Jude. You see the bread, you see the herbs, but there's something that's conspicuously absent. And so you can't help but wonder, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Maybe, maybe those prophetic words that Abraham spoke to Isaac, perhaps even at that same place, enter into your mind. God himself will provide the lamb as you think this, at that moment, Jesus takes the bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it and says, take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. Like our father Abraham, God does not withhold his son from us, but he offers him as a willing victim for our salvation. God himself provides the lamb as he planned from all eternity and as he continues to do at each and every mass, which is our new covenant Passover. 
to really understand what we do at Mass, to understand everything that God does for us in Christ Jesus. It is so important that we know the story of salvation history because that's our story. It's a story told for us and about us and about God's eternal love for us. St. Jerome said, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And this is why. This is why the church continues to offer us an Old Testament reading at every Mass in addition to the gospel, to underscore that connection between the two. But I'm going to tell you that just listening to those readings passively once a week, that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. You need to study the text. You need to swim in it. You need to make the story of the scriptures your own because it truly is the story of God's undying love for us. And it's a story written in human history. It is the greatest. It is the most beautiful and the most true story ever told.